This holiday season, the best deal in wireless is at Mint Mobile. Order and activate from home while getting premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. For a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com MLM. You haven't slept? My mother called to ask if I got my period today. Again. Your mother asked some really strange questions. She wants to know if he made a baby Ramesh. Oh, like that. Are we being stupid to wait? The fertility industry is absolutely booming. A few years ago, some sources estimated that one in every 60 babies in America was born through IVF or in vitro fertilization. Now, IVF is simply the process in which mature eggs are collected, then fertilized in a lab, and then finally transferred to a uterus. The past few years, these estimates have climbed to the point where reports state that one in 20 babies are conceived with IVF. And those odds get even higher to women who are older than 35 with a one in 10 chance. Some consider it playing God to use these methods, but there's absolutely no denying how many would-be parents have come to rely on it. We've come a long, long way since the first IVF baby was born in 1978. In 2013, the experimental label was finally lifted from IVF. More and more women and people with uteruses in general have begun freezing their eggs to eventually partake in this vastly normalized procedure to have their own children on their own time. So is it really any wonder then why IVF is referred to as a miracle? Infertile women that desperately want to be parents have found solace in IVF. Heidi Smith, who eventually gave birth to her daughter Caroline through IVF in the early 2000s, said that she wanted to be a mother so badly and it was painful to see her friends get pregnant when she couldn't. Attending baby showers was difficult and she was asked so often when she'd have a baby that Heidi ended up writing in her Christmas card, please don't ask us, we'll tell you. It cost thousands, but for the Smiths, their miracle baby was so very worth it. The process has also helped many LGBTQ parents that couldn't be able to conceive otherwise. In 2020, Clara told the New York Times that she and her wife, Sarah, tried to get pregnant using one of their friends as a sperm donor and drugstore syringe at home. When that failed, they went through a sperm bank so they could have a child together. Though the process is by no means perfect or non-discriminatory, the fertility industry has become essential for many LGBTQ parents. One photo that went viral back in 2018 really depicts the journey that many same-sex couples go through in order to have a baby. In it, Kimberly and Patricia O'Neill's newborn is surrounded by countless IVF syringes in the shape of a heart. Though IVF was a long, difficult journey, including four failed pregnancies and three miscarriages, Kimberly and Patricia were able to make their dreams of parenthood come true. And there's absolutely no shortage of stories like these online. Fertility clinics will refer to IVF as a true miracle in a time of crisis. IVF coaches say that their goal is to help you manifest a miracle. And mothers that give birth through IVF will often call their children miracle babies. However, even if we know that IVF can be difficult and expensive, we often don't hear about other concerning aspects of this industry, like the lack of regulation, the misleading marketing, and the doctors that secretly inseminate their own patients. Yes, you did hear that right. And that last one is probably more common than you think too. 
So the question is, is IVF really a miracle? Or is it just an imperfect science that's being peddled as one? An Ottawa fertility doctor, once suspended for inseminating women with the wrong sperm, is facing Women putting their eggs on ice. It's a controversial procedure designed for women who want to have two factors. You see, at the age of 35, unfortunately for us women, our egg count starts to do a big dive. Hello and welcome to Multi-Level Mondays. I'm the Illuminati and today we're gonna to be diving into the fertility industry, mainly with a focus on IVF treatments and briefly touching on egg freezing. Surgical treatments, surrogacy, sperm donors, and many other things will fall under this fertility industry umbrella. So I just wanna clarify upfront that by no means does this discuss everything. It had never felt right or like I needed to until that morning when I woke up and realized that absolutely I wanted that insurance policy. The insurance company's CEO is among a growing number of women wanting to preserve their fertility. Now, let's start by talking about the way that IVF is marketed and presented before we pull back the curtain a little bit. Now, it's one thing to have customers call this procedure a miracle, and I am not suggesting that their testimonies and firsthand accounts are the issues here. In fact, I think it's amazing that there are many couples who could not otherwise conceive whether they are straight, gay, however they choose to identify, that now can have a child. My issue is actually with the way the IVF industry presents itself. According to a study published in the Indiana Law Journal, very little hard data exists on how consumers make decisions about purchasing fertility treatments. When they analyze 372 homepages from IVF clinic websites, the way they pull on your heartstrings is pretty obvious. The words dream and miracle are two commonly used words on their homepages. And these websites are littered with pictures of babies, blatantly suggesting that they can offer successful pregnancies. And while it's reasonable that yes, IVF clinics want to advertise themselves and market to customers, it also feels a bit weird or even wrong that clinics are far more likely to talk about their technology and personal care than they are about their success rates. The Fertility Clinic Success Rate and Certification Act of 1992 and various state laws have insisted that these rates are to be made public knowledge with the American Society for Reproductive Medicine creating advertising guidelines that state, both patients and referring physicians have a right to know pregnancy rates derived from assisted reproduction programs. But does that mean that these clinics are listening? Well, not really. Back in 2019, one study analyzed 361 different SART or Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology member fertility clinics. According to the data, only 114 or 31.6% clinic websites published supplemental success rates. And I know normally most of my audience is American, I live in America as well, but this isn't a US only problem either. In Australia, the ACCC or the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission claims that their clinics are not transparent with success rates either. Many will partake in comparative advertising, claiming that they have a much higher success rate than their competitors, but they don't back up these vague promises. One clinic in particular, Genia, said they offer a 40% greater chance of taking home a baby if you use them. However, they only use data comparing their live birth rate per embryo transfer. So that doesn't account for the quote, complexities of fertility problems treated by other clinics. The fact is not disclosing what may lead to a positive success rate is probably more common than you think. What if an IVF clinic only treats young people? So then yeah, they're probably gonna perform a little bit better. And if they turn down complicated cases, then it stands to reason that percentage of successful clients will also go up. 
That doesn't necessarily make them a better clinic, nor does it mean you'll actually have a better chance with them. Egg freezing for the purpose of use in IVF later isn't much better either. It's often marketed as an investment, as insurance, or even as a form of self-care. KindBody, one of these services with the slogan, plan your future today, spoke with The Guardian in 2020. Their CEO, Gina Bartazzi, said that egg freezing was both self-care and a proactive form of healthcare. But she's not alone. The co-founder of Extend Fertility also spoke to The Guardian stating, it was clear to me that if women put away healthier eggs when they are younger, that could be an invaluable asset as life plays out. If you choose to freeze your eggs for this purpose, that's absolutely up to you. Far be it from me to tell you how to spend your money. Do what is going to make you happy and what's gonna make you feel just better in life. The trouble doesn't come from the service existing. Let me make that absolutely clear. My issue is with its advertising. If any of these clinics are exploiting fears or social pressure around having kids when your eggs are still good, then I think that's fucked up, plain and simple. It is true that your chances of conceiving does lessen as you get older. The chances do reduce as you age, I'm not denying that but for-profit fertility clinics can be a bit gimmicky and shady with the whole push of, oh my God, when you turn 30, you're essentially a husk of a woman. And I just, it's not 100% true. Is it tougher? Yes, a little bit. Is it impossible? No. Now, some of these egg freezing locations are also called startup boutiques, and they'll offer egg freezing for five to $8,000 per cycle, as opposed to $15,000 that you might pay at a hospital. According to NBC, they'll have wine, cheese, mobile vans, spa setups, and social media campaigns. The luxury and care is fabulous, but not when it downplays the medical and financial complexities of egg freezing. It may look like a party, but this is an information session for KindBody, one of a growing number of egg freezing boutiques. Their marketing uses slick social media campaigns, spa-like settings, even mobile fertility vans. Their company vans don't even tell potential clients what their fertility may be. Their tests only tell you how many eggs you have left, which yeah, it feels very much like telling someone, you should do this now before it's too late. It's, it's very high pressure if we're gonna be honest. And this is coming from someone who used to work in car sales. I am very aware of high pressure sales and this feels near identical. Now, it's not even a great insurance that these people are offering at the end of the day too, which is really interesting. The usage rate for frozen eggs ranges from just three to 9%, meaning that most patients won't ever even use the eggs that they freeze. And when they do, the chances are still very slim that they could even produce a child from them. And you're gonna find this information interesting because it's not available with a lot of these websites. They don't really wanna disclose this information. So let me spell this one out black and white for you. A 2016 study of 1,171 IVF cycles using frozen eggs found that for a woman who froze five eggs at age 35 or younger, the chance of live birth was 15%. The chance increased to 61% for women who froze 10 eggs and 85% for women who froze 15 or more eggs. And for any of you who were utterly failed by your health class, people with uteruses typically get one egg per month. That's what menstruation is. And when they're older, they have a finite number left and some are not viable. Hence the whole ticking clock thing that floats around. And think about this because now let's put that into money perspective. 15 eggs, and it costs a bare minimum of $5,000 at these boutiques. So that's $75,000 and still no guarantee. With those odds, it's not exactly the best insurance. 
And that of course is me trying to give the most amount of eggs while paying the least amount of money. But let's be honest, uh, I don't have 75 fucking thousand dollars laying around to freeze a whole bunch of eggs. And I'm sure many of you don't either. So for that 15% chance, which is gonna be five eggs, that's five eggs times 5,000 at the bare minimum, that's $25,000 for a 15% chance. And truthfully, most places are not gonna charge $5,000. So let's call it the $8,000. So now we have $8,000 times five eggs, 40 grand for a 15% chance. And while I get it, a 15% chance is better than no chance. I just want you to be aware of these numbers because this is something when I started looking at these websites that a lot of them just didn't really disclose. And I was shocked to find this out. So now that we're starting to unwrap what the numbers actually look like, How come we see these industries using slogans like fertility meets freedom or when you freeze your eggs, you freeze time? I feel like I have to constantly re-clarify because I just, I feel it in my bones that someone's gonna go, well, excuse me, blah, 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 blah. I'm not against the IVF industry. If you wanna have a child and you want to have a child through IVF, whether it's because you cannot produce through natural means or whatever the freaking situation is, I literally do not care. But if you wanna do a child through IVF, do it. Big support of it. I'm not saying take away IVF. Please let me be abundantly clear. That is not my issue. My issue here is when a consumer is purchasing a product, whether it be a, you know something from an MLM, whether it be donating to a charity, whether it be a service, like potentially freezing your eggs for future IVF treatments, I want the person who's doing the purchasing to know what their money is going to and what they are spending money on and if it's worth their money to them. I am not and will not advocate that this industry should be shut down. I am advocating for more regulation around transparency in the industry and more information being readily available for folks who are interested in IVF. And one of the things that is so shocking to me is just the unregulation in terms of marketing here. So now back to my question, my big overarching question here. Why is this type of aggressive marketing, in my opinion, this whole fertility meets freedom or when you freeze your eggs, you freeze time. Why is this allowed when the success rates for these expensive lottery tickets, as one infertility specialist put it, are all but guaranteed? Unfortunately, the answer is simple and upsetting. There's no one to stop them. Once suspended for inseminating women with the wrong sperm is facing stunning new allegations tonight. Dr. Norman Barwin is accused of using his own sperm to impregnate at least two women. CTV's medical specialist, Davis Favreau, on the doctor and the young woman who now- Now, when researching for this episode, I came across an article from Law360 that said it's currently legal in 41 states for a doctor to use their own sperm to impregnate a patient without their knowledge, which is disgusting. Did you know that? Because when I found that out, I physically gagged. The fact that it even has to be turned into a law because apparently people are doing this and that only nine out of 50 states currently have laws against this is horrific. Now that definitely needs to change. That almost goes without saying, but surely that isn't a problem, right? Like why would a doctor actually do that? Well, you can actually ask the multitude of doctors that did exactly this for decades, starting in the 1960s. You know how DNA tests have become increasingly popular in recent years, which by the way, we're gonna be talking about the DNA test later this week too, so don't you worry. Plenty of adults use them and David Barry, age 37, was no exception. His father was an anonymous sperm donor, so he was curious about his DNA. No big deal, most people are. But when the results came back, he learned that the fertility doctor was the sperm donor. In February, 2022, roughly 37 years after the procedure, Dr. Wortman was still in business. 
a lawsuit was filed against him for battery and emotional distress. And as a result, he lost hospital practice privileges a few months after the New York Times article was published. Though I would love to say this is an isolated incident, it isn't. Norman Barwin, a fertility doctor in Canada, used his own sperm on more than 200 fertility patients. The families were awarded $10 million, which if split evenly is less than $50,000 each. But surely these people are outliers too, right? This doesn't happen frequently because there are so many options at sperm banks, right? Well, the thing is, and this may be the case now, but years ago, it was almost an unspoken way of doing things if someone was desperate to become pregnant. Dr. Titchell, now 89, told the New York Times, I was a donor at one time. Sometimes back in those days, before the days of fertility clinics, if you couldn't get a hold of a donor and you were working with a patient who was looking to get pregnant, it wasn't exactly ethical, but it wasn't unknown to happen. I assume other doctors did it, but no one ever talked about it. He elaborated in a subsequent text message. I admit I did it when a donor did not respond. Women were anxious to be inseminated and the timing was crucial. It may have been less than perfect, but with luck, the women were able to conceive. And I think the phrase less than perfect is a bit of an understatement to me. I think the lawyers prosecuting these doctors would call it gross, shocking, and shameful. They've also added that due to the sheer amount of cases, it seems like this wasn't just a few bad apples, but a generalized practice of deception largely hidden until recently. There can be severe harm done here too, both emotionally, as well as by robbing these kids of not knowing their genetic history. How many more children born from IVF don't know who their father is? And how many are going to find out it was their doctor? Or how many like Adriana Hun, who fell apart from her father's side of the family and just never knew why? It's difficult to quantify the damage done here. And reading Hun's firsthand account of her own experience demonstrates just how traumatic learning such a thing can be. She explained that growing up, she constantly felt apart from her father, like they just never had a connection. Learning that he wasn't her biological dad was a relief as it explained so much, but horrifying too, because she didn't know half of her biological family anymore. Cases like hers have been likened to medical rape as these doctors have inserted material into their patients without consent. Hun, who was born from this exact situation, had understandably mixed emotions. Now, this is not to say that everyone will react the same way. I'm sure there are people born from these same circumstances that did feel a connection with their father growing up, and children can struggle to feel close to their own birth parents too. This is only Hun's experience for the record. Fertility doctor from Indiana could face some serious charges after some of his patients say that the man used his own sperm to help seven-year-old told the women he was using sperm donated from medical students. But according to the court records, he used his own when he didn't have a donor. Believe he did that about 50 times. Well, now his children I are demanding answers. I want to know um, every sibling that I have. I don't think that that is ever going to be a possibility. I just want validation. I want to find out as much truth as I can, but I know deep down that we will never, ever know the complete truth as to how many siblings we have. More and more cases such as these have come to light and these children are growing up. The case of Dr. Donald Klein, who has 94 children via insemination of his patients, has even turned into a Netflix documentary called Our Father. The documentary suggests that Klein may have actually done this because he's affiliated with Quiverful, a name we've heard before. That's the Christian extremist movement that demands followers multiply as much as possible to populate the earth. 
It's filled with eugenicist undertones, by the way, but I'd recommend looking at my episode about the Duggars to learn more since they're notorious members of said movement. But while many of Klein's victims consider it medical rape, and I agree with them, the court system doesn't actually see it that way. Instead, they had to go after Klein for lying during the investigation. Ultimately, he served no jail time and only paid a $500 fine. While almost every case that I've looked into took place in the 1960s, 70s, or early 80s, that's not to say that it can't and doesn't happen today. So why aren't we changing the laws to reflect this revelation? If the fertility industry doesn't look at this and say, wow, we clearly need more regulation, then it does a disservice to everyone that was hurt. For every child that claims the revelation left them feeling like a science experiment, for every mother who was violated, and for every father who felt like they lost a connection with their child, they deserve justice. Those folks deserve to know that this industry is going to change for them so that this doesn't continue to happen. As The Verge puts it in their article, every child of fertility fraud is a baby who is desperately and deeply wanted by their parents. The exploitation of that desire is devastating. The fact that the body becomes evidence of that transgression is all the worse. Unfortunately, this lack of regulation is, and always has been, an issue for the IVF and fertility industry. The issues plaguing it today are still important and devastating, just different. Now, before we get into even more regulation issues, I'm gonna go ahead and place today's sponsors here. The holidays can create even more waste than usual. Each year, Americans throw away 25% more trash between Thanksgiving to New Year's. So what if I told you there was a way to get all your holiday shopping done without feeling guilty over the waste that comes with it? Well, meet Blueland. Blueland is one of my favorite sponsors on this channel and they're on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic. By reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet, this holiday season, Blueland is having their best sale of the year so you can save and shop sustainably for your fans, family, and even yourself, which is truthfully what I'm doing. I'm stocking up on my cleaning supplies for the year. I absolutely love their products. The idea is simple. Grab one of their beautiful forever bottles, fill it with warm water, drop in a tablet and get cleaning. And the refill tablets start at just $2.25 so you don't have to buy a new bottle every time you run out. They have cleaning sprays, hand soap, toilet cleaner and laundry tablets. And all Blueland products are made with ingredients that you can feel good about. You can try their clean essentials kit, which is how I started using them, which is everything you need to basically get started in their signature scents, such as iris agave, fresh lemon and eucalyptus mint. And I just need to talk about this because just I have to, okay? They totally changed my laundry game for me. Number one, I love the wool ball sets that they have. Those have been just amazing for my dryer and for my clothing, like an absolute game changer for me. And I also love their laundry tablets because they're also unscented and they're gentle. They're gentle, but they still get stains out. Let me be clear. They're gentle on my skin. And that is amazing for any of you that have sensitive skin out there. It has been a game changer. So now is the time to take advantage of the best sale of the year with blueland.com slash MLM. You're not gonna wanna miss this. Go to blueland.com slash MLM. Again, blueland.com slash MLM. It's the most festive time of the year, as I'm sure many of you are aware, and HelloFresh is obviously here to help make the most out of every moment. So from holiday hosting to dinners during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. And if you're looking for variety, then you're in luck. With over 35 different recipes available to choose from every week, there's something to please everyone. You can choose from family-friendly, fit and wholesome, or even veggie. Plus you can easily customize your meals by swapping proteins or sides, upgrading proteins, or even adding a protein to a veggie meal. 
And HelloFresh's Festive Eats makes mealtime a snap. You can choose from holiday-inspired dinner recipes, seasonal add-ons, or even a three-course offering, all designed to make holiday meals extra yummy and easier than ever. Oh, and for those festive eats, I'm looking at my app right now because I'm also kind of stocking up on some of these things because they're amazing, might I add. Um, They right now have, which is in my cart for the record for one of my upcoming boxes, a cheddar fondue and charcuterie board with apples, grapes, spiced pecans, and crostini, which looks delightful in the photo, might I add. But they also have gingerbread pancakes, candy cane and thumbprint cookies, which sounds really cute, and caramelized onion and feta pastry bites, which don't even get me started. Anything caramelized onion, it's game over for me. So if you're ready to upgrade your holiday eats this season, make sure you go to hellofresh.com MLM18 and use code MLM18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com MLM18 and use code MLM18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. Now we've seen this all before. Shady, questionable businesses flourish because there's no one to say otherwise, otherwise known as the lack of regulation. While there are some laws that mandate success rates be reported and a nonprofit devoted to establishing a national registry of IVF procedures and outcomes, there's actually still no cohesive regulatory agency to supervise fertility centers. And it's not as if this is an impossible feat either. It's very possible. In fact, other countries and locations already do it. The UK has the Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority to oversee various forms of reproductive technology. If we in the US had this, then maybe more than only half of IVF websites would actually follow advertising guidelines. In some cases, it's not as if the companies partaking in questionable advertising are malicious either. They're willing to change when asked. The trouble is the lack of knowledge of guidelines and at times even allowing third-party marketing agencies who also lack the knowledge to present clinics to the public. It's not just the advertisers that need better regulation either, but the advanced technical equipment they brag about too. Professor Dov Fox of the University of San Diego Law School told the Washington Post that the same freezers used to hold your precious valuable eggs and embryos were developed decades ago for livestock semen. And that's right, it's a basic farm tool, but you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it kind of thing. And that might be fine, so long as these machines weren't treated like one. Now here's what he says. These tanks specifically, they're not regulated any better than kitchen appliances or farm tools. And if that sounds a little confusing, let me follow up with this question. But surely there's someone checking to be sure that these machines are working properly and the appliances are up to par, right? You probably know the answer since I asked the question. Not really. There's actually no licensure requirement, monitoring regime, or data registry for tank failure events. These freezer units meant for cow breeding are in some cases, the best you're going to get. Now, you can have a certified lab with monitored tanks if you choose. There are a couple of different accredited nonprofit organizations that will do this. However, not every state requires these fertility labs to be accredited either, which means there's a lack of transparency and knowledge about the issues around this industry. As for the problems we do know of, those can be devastating. One study analyzed lawsuits over lost, damaged, and destroyed frozen embryos between 2009 to 2019. Of the 133 cases analyzed, over half were related to freezer failures. And no, this doesn't mean that only 133 eggs were lost either. This is 133 lawsuits. For example, 
In one of the failures at Ohio's Ahuya Medical Center, 4,000 eggs were thawed and more than 900 people relying on those eggs faced an expensive, tragic loss. 900 potential families lost their children because of a freezer failure that's not regulated. It is entirely possible that some of the people who froze their eggs did so because they weren't going to have any left at one point or another, and they're gone. Maybe they needed surgery or chemotherapy. There could be a whole host of reasons why people did what they did. Yet, in part because of poor regulation, that person has lost out on a path towards having a family. Now, that doesn't mean that they still can't have a family. There are other options like surrogacy, adoption, and other options, but the loss is still there. I also want to stress that these are only the cases that are open or have made it to court. Many suits have actually been tossed away despite their validity. Vox reported in one such case, a couple's three embryos had been stored in an infected solution. It was like the human equivalent of mad cow disease as the article describes. The clinic knew that the solution wasn't safe. The manufacturer even sent them a letter about it, but it was used anyway and the embryos were lost and the court said that it wasn't personal nor property injuries and the couple received no relief. In court documents made public this week, a Cleveland area fertility clinic denies any legal liability for a freezer malfunction that destroyed more than 4,000 eggs and embryos. As for those that haven't had their cases thrown away, they don't fare much better. One family, the Ashes family, was deeply affected after a storage malfunction at the University Hospital's Fertility Center in Ohio occurred. Their two embryos were no longer viable, but 2,000 in total were affected. Amber Ash explained that she and her husband, Elliot, went through IVF after a cancer diagnosis. They had success with IVF before, and that's how their son was born. The couple just decided to put two additional embryos on ice so that their son could have a sibling at some point in the future. Not only were those plans destroyed, but the clinic didn't even tell them what happened. Amber actually found out through a family friend who had to call and confirm that yes, their embryos were damaged. It took days for a letter and phone call from the clinic. And while I understand that calling 700 families could be a lot, it seems a bit ridiculous that they wouldn't send out some kind of mass email or at least notify the families sooner. Amber told Healthline, we are just trying to make sense of the circumstances that have occurred over the past week regarding the tragedy. We've gone from pure anger and frustration to sadness at the loss that surrounds having lost our two embryos. As the number of patients involved went from 700 to 950, more people wanted answers. University hospitals or UH seemed prepared to give them. And on cleveland.com, Dr. James Liao explained that the remote alarm for their tanks was deactivated. They don't know who did it or when. So unfortunately, there isn't really much of an answer. Dr. Liao added that they were aware of the autofill feature of the tank and that it wasn't working properly. So they were in a preventative maintenance mode to get it working again. They had a loaner tank coming in around the same time. UH said they were also going to offer a free cycle to store eggs for any patients affected by this. No signing a legal release required. Now, tank failures happen. Sometimes the tanks are old, like from the aforementioned farm equipment situation. And sometimes failure can happen from even the slightest penetration of a vacuum layer that just keeps the eggs insulated. I'm not trying to say that errors can't happen. That's just a fact of machinery. The trouble is that we still know so little about why these failures happen. It's not clear if these clinics are disclosing the reasons unless they're sued and the machines themselves aren't regulated either. UH didn't handle this failure perfectly, but they did give answers and at least try to offer a solution. Some clinics don't even do that much because again, They've got no one telling them to do so, or, you know, of course, there's no setting regulations in place. 
much of the time, the reason these cases are pursued in the first place is because of negligence or breach of contract. While I will say that failure events like these are infrequent, the study of these cases suggests that clinics still need improvement in oversight, hardware, maintenance, communication with patients, and even labeling mechanisms. So, you know, basically improvements in literally everything they do. As the attorney handling one of these suits, Adam Wolf puts it, in many cases, your average nail salon is more regulated than a fertility clinic. There's no required reporting if a clinic loses someone's embryo. That's not right, and that has to change. And it really does. I mean, less regulated than a nail salon? Fabulous that nail salons are regulated by the way, but that's disturbing. But here's the bigger question, of course. Will change actually come? And is it the change we want? While I'd love to say that things are definitely going to change for the better soon, that doesn't seem to be the case. Instead, it's believed that the overturn of Roe v. Wade is going to make things more complicated. You might ask why, because after all, the people at these clinics want to become pregnant. But the trouble is that if laws give human embryos legal rights and protections are passed, then the choices would-be parents have about using, storing, or discarding genetic material could be drastically limited. According to the Washington Post, many on the religious right are uneasy with IVF for some of the same reasons they oppose abortion. They believe life begins at conception and therefore embryos should be accorded the full protection of the law. Though Alabama has made it clear that eggs fertilized in a lab for IVF purposes are excluded from their abortion ban, Louisiana advanced a bill in May, 2022 that defined human life as starting from the moment of fertilization. It's not clear what the future holds for the fertility industry right about now. There are plenty of other issues plaguing the industry too. It's been extremely difficult for LGBTQ couples to have IVF covered because in their health plans, they're not classified as infertile. Facebook and Apple have stepped in to pay for their employees to freeze their eggs, but if they actually have good intentions remains to be seen. Many companies are investing in women and supporting them, or maybe it's viewed as a payback for women's commitment to the company. Sort of a, hey, if you wait a few years to have a kid, we'll pay for you to freeze your eggs. It makes you wonder if a woman who chooses to have a child at a younger age would face repercussions more than ever for doing so. I've also seen some maybe concerning or at minimum interesting language around this, with some women stating that freezing their eggs levels the playing field a bit because they'll be able to maintain their careers. And sure, going through this procedure can be empowering. It's absolutely your choice to make. But if women are feeling pressured to freeze their eggs, then it's not really that empowering. The playing field shouldn't be skewed because someone wants to have a family and someone who can afford a multi-thousand dollar procedure to freeze their eggs shouldn't have a leg up over someone who can't. Let me make it a little bit less pertain to IVF. The playing field shouldn't be skewed because someone wants to do something different in their personal time. Like if you play video games in your free time, that shouldn't really inhibit your right to work. That's just me though, like, of course, like, I don't know, maybe you disagree with me. All in all, you have to do what's ultimately right for you, whether that's using these services or not. But if you do use them at the very least, you do deserve transparency. And this industry at the moment just doesn't offer that. But with all of that being said, those are just my opinions, thoughts, and a whole host of information. As per usual, in the description box is going to be a list to all of my sources if you'd like to check out more information and see where I got the information that I presented today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the end of today's episode. I really do appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.